2: and definitely check out those shows as well. Jane Peck is the author of The Verifiers. Jane was born and grew up in Singapore and holds a BA from Yale University, a JD from the New York University School of Law, and an MFA in fiction from Brooklyn College. Her short fiction has appeared in the Brooklyn Review, Witness, Conjunctions, Literary Hub, and twice in the Best American Short Stories. She currently lives in New York, where she works as a lawyer at a global investment company. Welcome, Jane. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Verifiers, a novel.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
2: Oh, thanks for joining me. As I mentioned, your agent is like, has the best taste in books ever, Julie at the book group. So how did you connect with her, by the way?
1: Yeah, so it's funny because I actually did it the really old school way, which is that I just submitted through the slush like i had zero connections to julie she had never talked like we i i was like she's not even going to open my email but then she did and i sent it in like late one night and she wrote back the next morning and she was like oh i really like your pages can you send me the whole thing and then she read it in like two days and then she was like you know i i would love to represent you and then my head like exploded at that point oh, <laughs> it's like, like that whole Those that whole four days is just kind of like seared in my memory as like just that first time when someone who you know you really respect and is like really up there in the publishing industry was like I think this could go somewhere and it was just a huge just kind of like boost and and validation and yeah but and then so I you know I like sometimes the, the slush pile does work Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. Wait, so what was your life like before? Like, set the scene for where you were when you press send on the email to her to begin with. How long had you been working on this book, The Verifiers? How long had you been writing? Where were you living at the time? Like, give me the Set the whole scene for me.
1: Okay, sure. So I guess a bit of background is that, um, so I'm actually a lawyer. And I kind of went to law school and I worked as a mergers and acquisitions lawyer at a big New York law firm for like I guess several years and then I've always wanted to write and I'd always been trying to write on the side but it was really hard because I didn't really have a community I had no sense of whether or not anything I was writing was good if it would ever go anywhere and you know as I'm sure you know like writing is a very solitary process and there's a lot of self-doubt involved and so that was totally happening to me so I guess I kind of took a bit of a break from the law. I got an MFA at Brooklyn College. And then that was like, I think around that time, I got that first idea for this novel and I started working on it, I think right before I started the MFA, during my time at the MFA while also working on short stories. And then after I graduated from the MFA, I went back to law because I started worrying about the flip side, which is financial security. So I just ran right into the arms of the law. (laughs) And I'm now working as an in-house counsel at, at a, an investment company. And so that was kind of where I was. Like I had an MFA under my belt. I had a bunch of good writing friends and we did a writing group for a while. I have been working on this novel for, at that point, several years. And it was like, it actually took quite a few iterations because I think I just had as a first time as a person trying for the first time to write a novel I had issues with plotting I had issues with stakes with pacing and just kind of figuring things out like who my protagonist was that took me a long time and so at the time that I sent it off to Julie I had actually it was actually nine months after the first time that I had kind of started querying agents and then I I realized that there was just like like I that I just needed to rewrite the whole thing. So then I pulled that process and then I spent the next nine months rewriting it. And then I went out again. And this time I got really, really lucky because Julie was, I think, one of the first few agents I contacted. And then of course, when she said she wanted to represent me, I was like, okay, done. So oh,
2: yeah. And did you then edit the manuscript again before she sent it out or did she send it right
1: out to publishers? So yeah, so we spent the summer editing it. And then after that, then, then we went out, we went out to, to publishers with it. Yeah. And so, then what happened?
2: Wait, I'm like loving uh, your, like, you know, princess success story here, right? Being. Oh, <laughs> here
1: yeah. I mean, it was actually quite a few ups and downs because I think, I mean, you know, like I had never, I had probably seriously, never seriously imagined that I would end up with Julie Bear as my agent. And then we went out and then I think. At, at the time, the way that the manuscript was, I think a lot of editors actually felt like it needed to be more finished. Like it kind of ended on too much of a cliffhanger. I, I'm not sure if you've had the chance to read it, but it does still end on a cliffhanger. But it was much more cliffhangery originally. <laughs> and everyone was like, hmm. But then again, I think I think we we really lucked out in that there was an editor at Vintage, Knopf, Anna Kaufman, who is now my editor and is absolutely wonderful as well. And she just loved the book and she loved the characters and she loved the story and she loved everything about it. And so she actually worked with me to edit the manuscript before she officially bought it. And so that's how I ended up eventually selling, selling the book. Yeah, and, and it's been great. And I think just the fact that she was willing to just kind of take that chance. Like, I think both Julie and Anna were just willing to take that chance on me. And that has been, you know, just like, it's, it's, I, I'm very grateful.
2: Oh my gosh. So now not only do you have your book, but you also just got reviewed in the New York Times. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you, do you, you have a hard copy, right? Do you I do. do. you already think? Okay. Yeah. I like ran out to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So, what did that feel like after all this time and effort and whatever? And now, look at this. It's like this is like hitting the literary jackpot.
1: I know. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's it's pretty amazing. And it's also funny because I feel like, you know, there will be like my my friends who do know that I've written a book, but then they'll be like, oh my gosh, I just saw it, you know, in like the New York Times. And then, yeah, I mean, it it is it is pretty incredible. And I think as someone who, I mean, I, you know, I, I do have an MFA and at this point I do know people, some few people in, in publishing and everything, but I'm not part of that industry. And so I'm kind of like coming at it from the outside. And, and so, uh, you know, it's just, I think a lot of it is just very new and exciting and like, oh, this is how this is done. And you know, this is how that happens. And yeah, I mean, definitely getting the New York Times review was, yeah. I mean, it's, it it was kind of surprised that it happened in the end. And so I was just like super excited when it when it came out.
2: Well, I feel like everybody is coming in new to the publishing industry. Yeah, because new books are coming out all the time. I feel like it's yeah. one of the most fluid places, right? New books come in, new authors come in. Like it's just, I remember when I was growing up and I was debating where to live like after college or something like that, my mother was like, you know, a good place to live is always Washington DC because you know that people are always coming and going. So, you know, you can never, it's not too entrenched, right? You can always like come in and out. So I feel like it's almost the same with publishing. Uh, but let's talk about your book more because, all right, I'm a little nervous about veracity as a concept. Um, this <laughs> <laughs> to, tell listeners about the uh, what your book is about, how you came up with all of this stuff, and if you yourself have a mystery, a mystery writer, sort of alter ego, passion for reading mysteries yourself, like how this whole piece of it came about.
1: Sure. So I guess The Verifiers is, on one level, a modern mystery that kind of takes a 21st century lens in terms of looking at how technology, how we use technology today in our personal and social lives, and how that affects the choices that we make and how we live our lives. Um, And I do this through um, specifically online dating. And our protagonist, Claudia, who is a young, gay, Asian-American who isn't out to her mother, but otherwise comfortable with her sexuality, locks into a job as a detective at an online dating detective agency, where her job is to figure out if the people who her clients meet online, who have all these great photos and these wonderful hobbies, and work at, you know, some prestigious job, if they are really who they say they are. And it's a bit whimsical because it's a bit of a take on, you know, the classic detective agency stories, But I I also wanted to kind of make it like play around with the tropes of the genre. And I, I think this comes out a bit because Claudia herself is a big murder mystery fan. And so she's always referencing this fictional detective series that she loves in terms of trying to solve her own mysteries. And so eventually we find out that a client ends up dead, and Claudia decides to go investigate on her own because she's like, I know how to investigate these things. I read lots of meta mysteries. <laughs> then she like stumbles into a bigger conspiracy that raises questions around how we as a society use technology and how they might shape our choices. At the same time, there's also an Asian-American immigrant family story in there because Claudia is at once close and also conflicted with her family. She has two older siblings and a mother who has certain expectations of all of them. And they have a complicated history in terms of how they came to the U.S. and the different dynamics between the four of them. And so part I think the story is as much an exploration of this one specific family and how they deal with their problems and their choices, as much as it is an exploration of how we use technology today and how we meet and relate to people in today's digital world.
2: And it's also about how to keep your dry cleaning business. <laughs> <laughs> and that's <laughs> one way that she figures out some important clues are just going to all the dry cleaners near where the sort of target lives and I was thinking to myself oh my gosh would my dry cleaner just give up all my <laughs> information just like that printing out receipts for anybody who asked like it's sort of but then it's so smart too I mean anyway I I, I need to put up some guardrails I think in my brain <laughs> how did you come how did you think about some of the little details that you put in how did right. you come up with that is it from books you've read or shows or just your crazy
1: imagination <laughs> I mean the, the dry cleaning thing had probably be it had just been my own imagination I had probably just gone to the dry clean at some point and saw the receipt that they printed out and saw how I had my name on it I would say it's a mix I mean I think I think a, a lot of the little things that Claudia does is because I mean I I guess at some point I realized that we do actually trust other people a lot which is <laughs> a good thing and I think in today's world we have gotten very used to putting out large amounts of information about ourselves Mm -hmm. out there in various forums. And I do think it's easy at the margins to get information in that way because there's just so much of that. I think kind of... You know, on on a murder mystery kind of setup and structure level, I did grow up reading a lot of the classic murder mysteries, and which I reference shamelessly in the book as well, <laughs> like Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie. I think Agatha Christie and Poirot was probably my biggest influence. Then, when I got a bit older, I did also read some some other series, and I always love genre. Although I think, I, to be honest like, mystery is actually not my first love. I think that would be, like, fantasy and science fiction. And I think at a certain point, the verifiers had maybe been a bit more futuristic than it ended up. But then just because of when I was writing the book through the 2010s, and technology was just developing so quickly. And now we have all these, like, deep fakes and, you know, like, like kind of all, all the, the things around how we might have been influenced in terms of elections. And so I realized that this is actually happening. And I think also... In my job as a lawyer, I do look at kind of those legal and regulatory implications of data collection and analysis and consumer protection laws and all that. And so I also put some of that into the novel because on various levels, it is happening that, you know, we are relying a lot on the technologies that we use, which is also definitely a good thing because, I mean, for instance, it allows you and me to talk today pretty seamlessly. But then... It's something that we have come to take for granted. And so I kind of wanted to like like pull back the curtain a bit and ask, you know, is this something that we're comfortable with? And how should we think about this going forward as these technologies actually get better at predicting our behaviors? Like, is this a good thing or is it something we need to think about? And I don't I don't really want to you know, really have any answers and say this is good or this is bad or right or wrong. But I think I just wanted to raise these questions out there because these are things that I've been thinking about for myself as well.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
2: a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from. So you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's com slash moms don't have time. Wow. Is there anything you would do differently to protect yourself? Like what should I do that I'm not doing now? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, I, so one thing that I think I try not to do is to link all of my accounts. And, you know, because they always say you can sign in with Google or you can sign in with mm. Facebook. And I kind of don't do that. The other thing is, I mean, I'm actually not terribly on social media. I did basically get on it because of the book promotion. And I was like, oh, this is important. But yeah, otherwise it's, it's just kind of thinking about, you know, what, what I would share online and what other forum it could potentially end up in. I mean, but I will say, I mean, on another note, you know, I'm also not saying that like online dating is bad or anything. And I actually did do online dating, you know, several years ago. And that was also what was the idea for the original premise of it, which was that I was meeting a lot of people and I actually had a very positive experience. Like I met smart, interesting people who I wouldn't have met otherwise being just an overworked lawyer with no social life then instead of meeting artists and architects and people in theater and just people who were like out there in New York, who I might walk by on the street, but never otherwise get to know. And even when we didn't have a romantic connection, I always enjoyed the conversations and just finding out more about these people. But then there's always that background question, like how much of this is true? And I think that question actually operates on two levels because it's are they consciously lying to you? But then the other thing is, I think in online dating and also in today's world where we so much of how we present ourselves is through profiles that we put together, the question kind of becomes, how well do you know yourself? Mm. You know, you might say that you're looking for something, but do are you really looking for something or do you just feel like you should look for that thing? And so you say that you do. And so that was kind of, how I came up with that idea of what if there was this online dating detective agency and they were looking into, you know, whether people were lying or not. But then that second layer of it is what if these tech companies themselves are able to figure out what we want better than what we think we want. And then what happens? Terrifying. And so, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we're not there yet.
2: <laughs> you know, a friend of mine was just telling me that when she was on the dating apps. Like she just didn't feel like she did a good, good enough job. So she hired someone who did it for her. She hired someone to flirt for her, to put the right pictures. She did a photo shoot. Like it's a business. It's like, did you know that? I did not know that.
1: I think I had known that there were people, there were people who could coach you to kind of maximize your online dating. I don't know if I knew specifically that, that, you could hire, but that's a really good idea. I mean, if I ever do a sequel, you know that. Oh, that well, there you be. go. I'll put you in touch with this friend of mine. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Turns out she met someone
2: on the one profile that she was doing herself.
1: Oh, that's so interesting.
2: Yeah. Which makes me, which makes me believe in, I don't know,
1: fate, oh, yeah, authenticity, yeah.
2: all the good <laughs> But But um,
1: anyway. Oh, that's, that's a really interesting story. Okay, yeah.
2: so aside from taking my idea for your second book, what else? Is coming, <laughs> what else is in your future? What are you working on? Are you, you know, you must be
1: inundated with the
2: book promotion and the job and all the rest. But what are you
1: writing? Oh my about? gosh! Yeah, so, so yeah, the book promotion has been. I mean, the last couple of months have been pretty busy, but I think it's kind of starting I to know, die down yeah. a bit now, which is also nice. And so, I guess in terms of things that I'm working on. I do have ideas for more verifiers books. So, you know, I'm kind of like figuring out like there are, way, there are directions in which I would like the stories to go. For instance, I think, you know, if there were to be a second book, I feel like the first book kind of played on tropes of the murder mystery and it would be fun if the second book played on the tropes of the spy thriller. Mm. So more like John Le Car, and then, you yep. know, kind of making a bit of fun of James Bond, which I feel like is also easy to make fun of. And then otherwise I had been working on you know in the because it takes a long time for a book to come out so while this book was in the process of coming out I had started working on a on a book that's more science fictiony but that also looks into these questions of how technology figures into our lives and you know what it means to be human in an age of like virtual reality and like AI and everything And then otherwise, you know, I always have kind of a short story, kind of going somewhere. It takes me a really, like, I probably write one short story a year. And, but so, you know, I kind of like go back to that every now and then. And then in your spare time, you bike. I see like all your biking
2: equipment (laughs) behind
1: you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my protagonist is a serious biker around the city and I am definitely like, I think one of the things I actually love most about New York is being able to cycle everywhere. When the weather is cooperative, which is, you know, not not super often. But um I feel like it's a great way to see the city. And it's like like I always feel like I never feel so alive as when I'm cycling in New York traffic. Because like Anything could happen. You know, I'm like in the
2: car being like, what are these bikers doing? They have to be so careful. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be so careful. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I actually just read this other book this morning called Delphine Jones Takes a Chance. And mm-hmm. the mother was killed early on while riding a bike. So now I'm like so worried for you by this oh fictitious death. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I have to get out of my novel. World <laughs> ridiculous. Okay. What advice would you have for aspiring authors? So I think
1: a few things that that have been really helpful for me, I think one is that you do have to put in the time at the end of the day. And it's easy to think that, oh, I'm writing every day. But if you actually look at how much you're writing, like I think, especially with a novel, it's such a big project and it can feel really daunting. But if you do put in the time, you will eventually get to the end. I mean, it's another question of how much work you need to do to revise it, but you need that initial step. Like you just need to put in the time and be and accept that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And so it just it takes a long time. For some people, I think it takes less time, but for me personally, it takes a lot of time. I think something else is, and this is what I think I have also come to to learn along the way is to write something that you feel like only you could write, and it doesn't mean that it has to be autobiographical or anything but it's just something whether it's a perspective or an experience or a take like the way that you view the world that you feel like is kind of unique to you and I feel like people will also respond to that and they will feel like oh this is something special and this is something that I want to read and then I think I think the third thing is that it's also helpful to have perspective because I think it's very easy to get sucked into. Kind of just that literary world. And like you say, it's so fluid and there's always new people coming in and going out and things are always happening. And it can feel like, you know, all these things are happening except like happening for you. And I, I think it's helpful. It's actually been helpful for me to have a job outside of writing <laughs> because I can never like freak out that much about my novel <laughs> when I'm like, oh my God, I have a meeting in two hours and I have to write this email. And while I might, you know, feel, sometimes feel like, you know, I wish I had more time to write, I'm also grateful for the fact that it does just anchor you. You're like, you know, like you have your writing, but the world goes on outside of it. And so you do your best, but, you know, at the end of the day, the world will still go on. True. Good point. I feel
2: like I always have these ideas and I'm like, I should do this, but what I really want to do is this, but, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, just do the thing you really want to do. Right? Yeah. It always turns out better than the thing you're doing for some other reason. Even if it's not like the end result you want, like it'll get you there in some other way. That's mine. I agree. My and a coherent I th- piece of advice
1: for the day myself. And I and I think also if you're doing what you really want, that's your motivation. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a long you know, it takes so long. It's like you have to really want to do this, or at some point it will just kind of like you'll like kind of fall off. Yeah.
2: Amazing. Well, Jane, it's so nice chatting with you. Thank you for coming on. Moms not have time to read books. Congratulations. I'm excited for more verifiers or whatever you have up <laughs> your sleeve. you know poking fun at every genre there is you know i'll I'll (laughs) tune in for the like romance fantasy
1: (laughs) that's a good one yeah yeah no i mean you know thank you so much for chatting with me this morning you know i i really appreciate you taking the time as well on on your end
2: maybe we'll meet while you're biking and i'm you know not (laughs) oh yeah i'll I'll be you on the street and i'll be like (laughs) "Ah, (laughs) careful i will be like oh my god that crazy cyclist yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. We'll take care of I'll Jake. see you. All Have right. a good morning. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.